and welcome to Tomlin's Harmonica Podcast. This is the place to be for a variety of harmonica-related content, including interviews, lessons, and discussions about all aspects of harmonica playing. This podcast is brought to you by the Tomlin Harmonica School, where I provide a step-by-step curriculum for beginners to advanced intermediate players, as well as personalized feedback and all the resources you need to get better at blues harmonica. To find out more, go to tomlinharmonicaschool.com. This week's podcast is part of a series where I'll be interviewing beginners rather than pros. Today's guest is John, who made the decision to pick up harmonica when he retired last year. Okay, so we are now joined by uh, John. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing very well, Tom. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you so much for agreeing to, to take part in this uh, podcast. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the, the harmonica stuff? Sure. I am uh, I'm 58 years old. I live in the U.S., uh, in New Jersey, which is on the East Coast. Um, I have uh, no musical background in terms of playing anything uh, or any knowledge of music theory other than what I've learned, you know, gleaned from your videos. Um, and uh, I just love blues-based rock and roll, and so that seems to be your focus. So, you know, we're kind of right in the in the uh, in the kill zone here, as we say on the golf course. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, so that that's really it. I mean, I'm 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 a beginner, obviously, as that's what this series is about. And uh, I'm really enjoying the progress I'm making. It's great to learn something from the ground up. Um, I know you've talked in some of your other podcasts about uh, adult learning and uh, and sort of how difficult that could be. Um, and I agree with that, uh, but it's also very enjoyable. Um, yeah. Uh, no, well, it's it's uh, it's it's always nice to to come across people who have made the decision to uh, to learn something new. And uh, for, for me, that's kind of what life is all about. I love I love learning new things and uh, uh-huh. and being able to share. That's brilliant. Uh, so you said that you don't have a musical background, but uh, uh, it, when we were com- um, corresponding a, a little bit before this, you said that uh, you had a, a musical family and there was lots of music around. Will, will you tell us a little bit about about that? Sure. So I'm the youngest of uh, seven siblings um, and, you know, having, you know, growing up sort of 1960s, 70s, 80s, um, them all being older, there was a lot of great music, you know, just around the house. We had, you know, record players on every floor and, you know, you hear the Temptations, you know, on one floor and, you know, the Rolling Stones on another floor and the Allman Brothers on, you know, it was just, there was always great music around and and uh my older brothers especially had a lot of uh a lot of great albums that that really kind of got me hooked uh on music and uh one of my older brothers as i mentioned to you during that correspondence uh was in a band um you know and they used to they used to rehearse at our house quite often so uh, i sort of got an up close look even though i was just a little kid at um at live performances uh long before i was old enough to actually go to one and uh, it really intrigued me, although obviously not enough to pick up an instrument, um, but I just loved listening. So, um, you know, that's yes. 45 years and now I finally decided I want to try to make some music too. Yeah. Well, Joe, I, I think that listening is such an important part of the learning process anyway. So what I find is uh, when, when I've had students who have been totally in love with music, even if they haven't played an instrument, they, they generally improve a lot quicker than students who, you know, come to the instrument late and haven't really thought about music up until that point. It's just a, a you know, a, a fun notion. Whereas if, if you've really loved music all the way through, that that's going to be really helpful because you'll you'll know the language even without realizing it. Mm, interesting. So all that air guitar I've played over the years, you think is helpful? Oh, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> um, so okay, so you, you played some air guitar. Uh, what what made you pick the harmonica uh, rather than maybe guitar? Yeah, well, there's two things. One, um, uh, I had uh, I've mentioned my brother having played in a band, and and the leader of the band who was the singer was also a harmonica player. And a great one, and um, you know, I still have some recordings that that they made back in you know 1980, and I still just get a kick out of listening to him play, and um, that combined with the size of the instrument, uh, it's a it's you know you can bring it anywhere, you don't have to you know make extra room in the car if you're going somewhere you can just throw it in the glove compartment, 
Um, and uh, it's also physically, you know, I, I have had some back issues over the years. So the idea of sitting at a piano or, or playing guitar for long periods of time, I wasn't sure I'd be able to, to withstand that if I was going to do it mm -hmm. all the time, which, you know, I, I'm not sure I've mentioned in the intro that I'm retired now. So I have a lot of time on my hands and I pick this thing up all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, any downtime I have, I just pick it up and fiddle around with it, if nothing else. And, um, you know, I'm not sure I would have been able to do that with a, with a larger instrument. Yeah, I think it makes a huge difference because, um, yeah, you, you want as little barrier to entry and, and as few things in, in the way of you just casually picking something up and making it part of your your day to day uh, routine. And, and one thing that, that I noticed because I, I, I was a guitarist originally uh, and I started learning harmonica um, for, for various reasons. And when, when I when I started playing harmonicas in bands, I thought, well, this is great. I don't have to carry too much gear to the gig. This will be brilliant. And uh, the, that, you know, in theory, that makes a lot of sense. But the drummer sees that you've just got a little suitcase and he's like, oh, cool. Well, you can help me with my kit. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. There's loads of space in your car, so you can you can drive all of us. Uh, <laughs> so you got to be careful. you got to have some big stuff, even if it's at like a big empty suitcase. So people think you've got some stuff to carry. <laughs> very funny um so you, you you say that you're retired uh was it something that uh that prompted have you only been playing since you got retired or yeah i you know i had sort of in my mind for for several years been saying to myself okay you know i want to retire relatively young what do i want to do and a lot of the things i like to do are outdoors type things but where i live you know i've got six months of winter that you know that i can't play golf like you know there's only so so much jogging and running i can do and things like that so um you know an instrument made sense as a as a way to fill time keep my mind occupied because i obviously be learning something from the ground up um and uh, so it was probably three or four years ago that i sort of started verbalizing this around the house mm -hmm. And then a couple of Christmases ago, my daughter, um, you know, having heard me talk about this, uh, bought me a, a Honer Big River Harp, key of C, thankfully. And, um, you know, so that sort of sat in the box uh, for a year and a half. And then I retired at the end of 2019. And the reason it sat in the box, Tom, was very simply that I figured, well, two things. If I'm not going to be playing it all the time and I pull it out of the box, I'm probably going to lose it because it's so small. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I also thought, you know, I want to wait until I can really, you know, sort of dedicate time. I don't want to, you know, only be able to pick it up on Saturday and then not pick it up again until the following Saturday. Um, you know, so I, I just wanted to kind of wait and, and, and really focus on it, which, which I think has worked out pretty well. I, I think that that's so sensible, uh, certainly for the, the early stages. I, I think when, once you've got a certain amount of time under your belt with an instrument, then you you can take some breaks from it and you don't have to do it all the time but but there's there's so much to be said for really plowing through i think it's it's those first 20 hours those first 20 hours of serious practice which doesn't sound like a huge amount but you you do need to have a, a fair amount of free time to be able to to fit that in and and beyond that point you'll you'll be having enough fun to keep going and you'll have enough momentum that if you do take a bit of a break you'll come back to it um yeah, yeah I've, I've i've heard some of your commentary i think your your podcast with uh, with your friend veed when you guys were talking about practicing and such and you also in there mentioned uh occasionally taking four or five weeks maybe where you're doing something else or whatever and you don't play and you come back and certain fundamental things you you know forget them mentally but you sort of your, your focus or concentration maybe isn't as good as it, as it had been. And you sort of lose your embouchure, as mm -hmm. I think you said, uh, you know, and things like that. And you kind of smack yourself and, you know, quickly comes back, obviously. But, um, you know, I, 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 I suppose at some point that might happen, but I don't anticipate that because I'm just having too much damn fun. That's great. That's really good to hear. So you're, you're having a lot of fun, but uh, we, we all know that the, the early stages also have uh, problems and difficulties. So uh, what, what have been the, the biggest, uh, what has been the biggest struggle for you on the harmonica? I would say, I would say there's two things. Um, one is bending, which everybody I'm sure struggles with. Um, I actually found a pretty good tool online um, that, you know, it, it sort of looks like a, like a keyboard almost. And, and as you play notes, they kind of light up mm -hmm. and it, it includes the bended notes. 
or the bent notes, I guess is the right way to say that. Um, and so that helps me kind of get a feel for whether I'm doing it right and, or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, you know, it, bending is one of those things I, I was saying about this. The reason I think one of the reasons I think it's very difficult is because demonstration is a big part of teaching, right? Mm-hmm. If you're teaching somebody the guitar, you're showing them where their fingers should be and so forth. You're doing something inside your face. Yeah. And I, so nobody can see what you're doing. Yeah. So you can describe it, but it's still not as easy as if you were able to actually demonstrate it where we could see it visually. So that's, that's been one thing. And the other thing which you emphasize, and, and I appreciate your emphasis uh, so much, is relaxing when I'm playing. Mm-hmm. You know, to the extent that I've ever had any training in anything, Tom, when it's been athletics, and you can never put too much effort, you know, no coach is going to say you're trying too hard. But yeah. you talk a lot about that with, with, um, with, you know, just playing the harmonica, not blowing too hard or sucking too hard. And, and you know, the only thing I could, I could sort of equate it to in, in sporting terms is, you know, if you're a basketball player, you know, you always want to be hustling and running, but when you're shooting foul shots, you kind of have to relax. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't be all tense when you when you're shooting a foul shot, um, and it's sort of a similar thing here. Where, um, and and you've made the point too. You know, you watch somebody you know on stage who's a great harmonica player and it looks like they're wailing away and going going nuts, um, but in fact they're not playing as hard as they might be gyrating. You know, their head mm-hmm. and shoulders, so to speak. Um, and and really, when you watch other you know great musicians too, you watch Eric Clapton play the guitar. He's not banging on it. You know, yeah. he's he's moving very rhythmically and very mm-hmm. smoothly. And, and so that's something that, that um, as long as you keep reminding me, I think I'll get better at. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is one that you need to, to constantly think about. And then if you think about relaxing, most people get stressed out and tense yeah. and, and it's, it's this vicious, vicious cycle. Yeah. Um, but it's quite funny that, that you say that, you know, kind of the, the sporting world doesn't think about it quite so much. Um, necessarily to kind of get get the most out of people um but i I was listening to to a thing recently about this guy who did did some studies of uh uh, michael johnson uh and you you know you you remember when when he was kind of clear clearing up uh all all the races and they were watching videos of him and uh he you know the, the kind of traditional sprinter uh does all of all of the power in the first uh you know 20 meters 30 meters and then and then they kind of settle uh whereas he just he settled right at the beginning and just kept going at kind of 80 percent power rather than this insane thing out of the out of the blocks (laughs) because he was he was relaxed and that was kind of the secret uh and you you know you you, i'm sure you remember when usain bolt first came to the to the the forefront and just that insane hundred meters where yeah. he, he stopped trying in the last yeah. 10, 15 yeah, meters. For pictures for the yeah. Last 10 meters. yeah. <laughs> and, and he was still way under the world record. He was like, yeah. what's going on? So I think relaxation is, is, is quite a big key, a big deal in, in almost everything, any high performance thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, but, but yeah, no, it, it is, it is a big one. Have you kind of coming to learning something a little bit, later in life and and you know starting from scratch on something were you worried at all did you have any fears around it um yeah i mean you know one of the things that i was worried about was and you know thankfully uh uh, when i started in january i really started playing uh you know my wife would go to work my daughter would go to school you know my other kids are older and out of the house so i'd have the house to myself so i didn't have to be self-conscious Mm-hmm. And getting started that way was was very helpful. But I, I was I was definitely worried about the early stages when I was really just learning how to you know make a clean you know blow a clean note, mm-hmm. uh, you know sending people scurrying out of my house screaming that they can't take it anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I was certainly worried about that. And um, uh, but you know beyond that, I think I was more excited than anything else. Mm-hmm. I, I really was anticipating and looking forward to it. Uh, that's very cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I vividly remember um, practicing when I first started learning, and I would I would climb up onto the roof of the apartment block that we we lived in, and you weren't supposed to go on the roof. You know, you you had to kind of we we actually built a ladder uh, to to get up there. There was no easy access, and I'd practice up there, and and then I was in a band at the same time playing guitar. And and one of the the guys found out I was playing harmonica as well, and they were like, "Oh, you should you should totally play harmonica in the band." I was like, "Nope, 
I can't do that. That's too scary. And I vividly remember the first time I kind of quietly went over to, to one corner on stage and pulled out the harmonica and barely went up to the microphone. It's like, so I wasn't fully committing, but I was getting used to the idea of doing it in front of people. And Yeah, and you know everybody's going to be looking at you. Yeah, but I was just, no. just playing it cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so what, what's been your biggest accomplishment so far uh since learning oh goodness um well that's a question i wasn't ready for i i i have a hard time um labeling anything an accomplishment at this point but i do love um you know playing uh just some of the some of the short bluesy riffs um that that you've taught uh that slim harpo you know i never heard of this guy before and, you know, I heard that song and I'm thinking, Slim Harpo, is this like some new funk guy that I've never just, you know, never come across? And I go, <laughs> look him up and he's been dead for 50 years. And, he, you know, yeah. and, and uh, oh, my God, it's just it's so eye opening. And, and you know, um, so being able to play those, I mean, I think I play them, obviously, not at an expert level, but like I can play those around the house and even kind of sing a little of the, of the ditties in between um, and, and fool around with that. And um you know, to the extent that I, I wouldn't call it an accomplishment, but I mean, I, I, I enjoy that as much as anything. And uh, um, I haven't been practicing as much on the 12 bar blues lately as I was doing like during lockdown, I was doing a lot of that. Um, and I was, again, getting good in terms of, you know, from starting for, as a beginner from scratch, I felt like I was getting acceptable. Like, well, gee, if I was at a coffee house and somebody said, come up here and we'll do a 12 bar blues together, that I might actually be able to do it. Um, cause I do have a neighbor who plays a guitar and he's actually sort of said that to me, like maybe someday we'll play together. And I thought, yeah, I said, yeah, yeah. but I thought no <laughs> chance, <laughs> but, um, you know, so, so yeah, yeah. I mean, and I do feel like I'm getting better on bending too, mm -hmm. which is very, very rewarding. Um, not that I always nail it. And as, as I think I mentioned to you, uh, in an email at some point when I'm trying to fit it in you know, sort of in an eighth note, you mm -hmm. know, in the midst of a riff, it comes out like a snake hissing in the grass. Cause I'll, yeah. I, you know, I'll, I'll either, you know, I'll just, I'll tighten up too much and, and no air comes in or it'll just be a little bit of a hiss or um, and such. But um, I just feel, I guess, I guess I'm just feeling like I'm making general progress, which, mm -hmm. which feels like an accomplishment, even though there's nothing specific I can point to. I, I guess that's how, yeah. how I would put that. Well, that sounds great. And, and the thing that, that really kind of resonates with me is that you're clearly, doing enough you, you've done enough to be able to enjoy it now you know you, oh. you're, you're able to play and have fun playing the instrument because I, I think at the beginning of, of learning there's there are so many micro skills that you have to acquire before you can do anything you know yeah. you, you have to be able to move you have to hold the harmonica you have to move it accurately from hole to hole you have to be able to play a single note you have to breathe naturally there's so much stuff just to play the most simple melody yeah, um, yeah. So you've got and, all and that. I, yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I have sort of mastered a couple of melodies that uh, wouldn't wouldn't mean much to most people that are listening. They're sort of uh, uh, American college fight song type things. Um, okay. They played at football games and whatnot. Uh -huh. But um, it, it is fun when you get to that point where you play something and you actually recognize it. You know, mm -hmm. you say, "Wow, I've, I've heard this, and I kind of sound like what I've heard." Yep. Uh, that feels really good. But I, I, you know, one of the things I mentioned in our emails was, you know, and, and it's, it's obviously going to take me some time to master just the basics before I can do this, but to take those melodies that you can recognize and then actually sort of make them a little bit your own, mm -hmm. um, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, put your own touch to it, your own flourishes to it or, or however you might want to say that, you know, I've, I've, I've watched your, your lesson on, um, George on my mind. Uh, and I know that was based on what uh, Charlie McCoy had done, but, but that sort of, uh, you know, putting that bluesy feel uh, on top of what, you know, the Ray Charles version obviously is already bluesy, but it feels a little, even a little bluesier mm -hmm. the way you play, which, which is the kind of thing I'd like to get to at some point. Yeah. I, I think that's a fantastic goal. And, and you, you also mentioned a, a, another uh, very cool goal, which, um, uh, I think is one that a lot of people overlook, but that's that's to be a great rhythmic player. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I love your video on, uh, which I think it's titled Harmonica Players Have No Stamina or something like mm -hmm. that, where you talk about how everybody else in the band pretty much has to play all the way through and a lot of harmonica players sit there just, you know, looking at the girls in the audience while in between their solos. And that's really not sort of looked upon highly maybe by other musicians. But, but you know, there are so many, so many songs you lose the basic rhythm, which is when you stop, you know, when you stop and listen to it, I, I mentioned Jumpin' Jack Flash in our emails. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. And I really want to learn how to play that. But, and this, this is one of my frustrations that outside of actually playing the instrument, just, just with the whole sort of um, uh, infrastructure of learning harmonica is everywhere I find harmonica tabs, it's always the melodies. Mm -hmm. So with Jumpin' Jack Flash, I can find, you know, how I can sort of mimic I was born in a crossfire hurricane, but I want to get that and I can't find that anywhere. So, you know, that, that, but, but I've, you know, hopefully, you know, you've talked, you talked in the, in the improvisation course, which I talk about, you know, ear training and, and how much hopefully your ear will over time develop as you try to learn how to play things that you've heard and like. Uh, without just sort of following along on a notebook. Um, so, you know, if I can't find uh, the music anywhere, I'll hopefully figure it out. But that that kind of thing I think is really fun because, you know, that's the kind of thing where you could play with somebody um, and support them as opposed to just sort of standing around and waiting to be the front man for 15 seconds. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, so. it, it's it's something that I'm desperate for students to work on um, and it's it's usually a hard sell because they they generally think about the the solo you know the the twelve bars in the spotlight as the most important thing, uh, but but realistically, if you want to play in a band, the band want you to you know do as much work as they do. So you're going to have to ninety percent of the time do pretty boring stuff so that you can get that ten percent of the time where it's your turn to take a solo, just like everyone else in the band. You exactly. Know, the the guitarist like isn't allowed to to noodle yeah. all the way <laughs> through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, if you want to be an employable harmonica player, uh, you learn how to accompany, and also you, you mentioned singing a little bit. Singing is a is a huge thing. Um, to, to be able to, to kind of play with other people. And that's good for your harmonica playing because it teaches you great phrasing. Um, mm. So uh, keep, keep doing that. Even if it's just at home, just kind of getting comfortable with that is, is really useful. Yeah, that's, that is definitely, you know, I'll, I'll do like Manish Boy or, or, uh, or uh, the Slim Harpo song. Uh, God, the name of it is slipping my mind right now. But um, Hip Shake? I go on yeah, right. I go in the bathroom and close the door when I'm doing that. You know, I'm not I'm not doing that for public consumption. But, but you know, the the way though that old blues, um, uh, you know, that genre often works is you really don't have to have a great singing voice. You know, I mean, Muddy Waters had a nice deep throaty sound to him and everything, but he's almost talking through the song. Yeah. Um, with with an occasional flourish, it, it, it's not you know you don't need to be Linda Ronstadt to be able to. Uh, to do that so um that that is kind of fun to just fiddle around with that and you know see if i can remember you know that it's a repeating riff mm -hmm. so it's pretty easy to remember but then to remember the the words in between and to get the timing right as you have to you know come out of the singing go back to the playing is it's a real challenge and, and, it, and it gives you you know as a as a musical novice a real appreciation for people that um you know can play an instrument and sing i mean you know i see uh you know, videos of, of old Lee Von Helm playing with the band, you know, and Phil Collins too, drumming and singing, which to me, I mean, you got, you got all four limbs going and you're, you know, you got to find the microphone yeah. and sing it to it. Um, I mean, that seems to me to be damn near impossible, but you know, some guys can pull it off and it's, it's fun to, to just sort of, you know, see what that's like. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it's, it's important when you look at, at those people who are doing a ton of complicated things simultaneously to remember that they, they've had to build up to it incrementally and they're they're not thinking about everything that they're doing they will have practiced each element until it, it can be put into the background um, mm -hmm. so you know phil collins will be laying down a beat that's simple enough that he 
he doesn't have to think about it so that he can concentrate on the thing that he's finding harder, which might be the singing or vice versa. He might sing something more simplistically so that he can concentrate on doing that killer drum fill. Um, you, you very rarely see people who are, are doing everything at the highest level at the same time. Mm -hmm. so something will kind of drop down and, and then the other, the other element will, will come back up and it's, uh, it, it's an iterative process and it, it does mm -hmm. come together. Um, I, I think it's sometimes quite hard to see how it'll come together when you're starting out with very basic building blocks. You know, when you're just thinking about how can I play on the beat, just one note, and, and how do you get from that to playing a whole song? Uh, but that is, that is how it starts. It does start very basically and builds up from there. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to, to hearing you uh, sing and play before too long. <laughs> well, I don't know if you saw, you know, uh, on, the, on the Facebook group, the Improv Facebook group, I, I, I wasn't able to, to participate live, but I did listen to it later. And uh, I said I would, I would be happy to do the Zoom mm -hmm. meetings as opposed to the Facebook. But if you call me out in front of the class, Tomlin, to play, you know, you may have to give up your firstborn. So take a good look at him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, this is, this is the only downside that, that I have to, from kind of teaching online versus what I used to do, which was teaching in person in a studio. Because I, I do these, these group classes and the students have nowhere to hide. And you know, if I if I call you out and you're the only person who's not going to play, like, yeah. you're, you're going to feel the pressure from the other students. <laughs> so I, I've definitely lost a, an element of control, which uh, I yeah. sometimes miss. <laughs> so I, I'm going to put my my teacher hat on um, and uh, and and ask you how how are you practicing? What does your routine look like these days? Well, you know, I I. Uh... It's usually just fiddling around with melodies and things. What, what I'll typically do to start is I'll, I'll go through the blue scale just to kind of just to find all the holes and everything else and, and, and you know, check my ambu, embouchure. Is that how you say that word? sure, yeah. sure, yeah. Um, and and I've, I've also got um, I've got a tab open on my computer that, that's got one of your chugging schemes. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'll sort of start with that. Um, I think it's I think it's like the basic call and response. Uh, mm -hmm sort of chugging and, and, and basic lip licks from the improv course. Um, and then after that, it's just kind of like, what do I feel like doing? What's the last song I listened to? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, did I listen to Managed Boy? I said, I'm going to fool around with that, you know? Um, and, and uh, you know, so it's not uh, as structured as, as it probably should be. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's uh, one of the things you mentioned um, when you and Veed had your podcast, was talking about practicing and you know knowing when you're playing in in the in the sort of childish sense of play um versus when you need to do some work mm -hmm. and you use the term um you know the analogy of eating your vegetables before you have dessert and one of the questions i have for you is you know what what are what are my veggies at this point what what do you think what are your thoughts in terms of what practice should be yeah so this, this is this is this is exactly where i wanted this to go um so you, you, you brought up the, the practice versus play thing. Um, and you, you're definitely, from the way you've described it, falling into the, the play category. You said it was childish. I, I, would, I would tell you to cut yourself some slack. It's an important part of, of learning the instrument. You, you need to have time to play. Um, just like you know, kids need to have time to play. They can't just be at school all day and, and work and learn. It, it's an important part of the process. Uh, but but you also need to bring in the, the slightly more methodical approach uh, to your actual practice. Um, and I, I generally think about my practice in kind of three stages. And this is the order that I do them in. So I start with practicing technique then I practice repertoire and then I practice improvisation and I, I weight them all equally so they get the same amount of time. So if I've only got 20 minutes to practice, then you know I'll spend about seven minutes on each bit. If I've got an hour, 20 minutes on each bit. Um, so what, what are those elements? So technique is gonna be absolutely everything uh, that you need to be able to do the other two things, the repertoire and the improvisation. So for a complete beginner, technique will be very, very sim simply based around, you know, how do I play a single clean note? 
uh, how, how do I hold the harmonica? And I'm just practicing doing that. Um, and, and that usually will be built around scale work. You know, scales are not the most exciting thing, but the advantage they have is you, you learn a scale sequence and then you can use that sequence to practice elements of your technique. So you're not actually thinking about what notes you need to play. You're just thinking about the technical element that you're working on. Um, so being able to play clean notes is, is, is step one. And then being able to move around accurately is, is kind of the, the next step. So you might be able to play a four blow by itself on the beat consistently. But if I say, right, and I want you to play a C major scale, which has seven notes in it, and they need to be on the beat, and every note needs to be clean, even though you're changing direction and position on the harmonica. And by position, I literally mean the physical position rather than the musical position. And I realize that's sometimes quite confusing for, for harmonica players. So that would be your next stage. And, you know, you can, everything fits into technique, clean notes, all the all the exciting stuff, the bends, the warbles, the glissandos, the chugging, but it, it's looking at them as foundational building blocks rather than bits of music. Um, and it, the reason I start with technique in my practice session is that it is literally like eating your green veggies. It's the least fun bit, um, and and you've got to get it out of the way first of all before you move on to the slightly more fun practice. Um, and then kind of moving into repertoire, you know, you said that you would pick up the song that you were working on yesterday. And that's, that's, that's a good jumping off point. Um, but just to make it a little bit more methodical, make a note of what one, two or three songs that you're working on currently that you would like to get better on uh, in the next month. You know, th think of a, a month's timescale rather than what am I going to play today? and practice those for your repertoire for that month. And practice. If you want to play other songs, put, them, put that in your playtime and, and don't worry about the quality of it. But really thinking about, you know, is my rhythm good? Are my notes clean enough? Are there any techniques that are letting me down? So if you're playing um, a Manish Boy or, or any of those kind of riffs uh, that might have a bend in them, you know, can I play the clean notes and then hit the bend? If I can't, then that's what you should be practicing in your technical practice, is that move from the clean note to the bend. So the, the repertoire can kind of inform what the te technical practice is based on what you need to be able to accomplish that repertoire. Um, and then finally, improvisation. You kind of sit down with a, an improvisational strategy and, and work on that. So at the beginning, when people first start improvising, they, they generally start by just using the root notes of the one, four, and five chord over a 12-bar blues. So your, your improvisational strategy that you're practicing is these are the note choices that have been made for me. The only elements that I have control over are the rhythm and the dynamics and how many times I'm playing a note. So that's what you're going to be improvising with. And it's still a, it's very much an exercise. Your, your solos are all going to sound the same or, you know, roughly the same, but it's getting you comfortable thinking like that so that next, next month or next week, when you think of a different improvisational strategy to use, you practice that. And then when you play, both of those strategies start to come into your playing and that's how you develop your voice and your, your vocabulary. So there's this very methodical approach that is kind of each, each bit builds on from the, the previous bit. Um, and, and making notes is, is a really big part of it. So keeping a practice diary so you know exactly what you're working on is huge. Yeah, you know, I, I, I picked that up, uh, I think the last beginner podcast uh, with, I think Paula was the woman's name. Yeah, yeah. And she talked about doing that. And uh, you know what it reminded me of? You know, I, I mentioned in our correspondence, uh, uh, I see some parallels with golf mm -hmm. and musicianship. And I've done that with, with golf over the years where I started taking notes, whether it was after a round of playing or practicing where it's, something struck me as either I was having trouble with it or I was doing it well, especially when I was doing it well. Mm -hmm. um, to make a note of what was working so that when it stopped working, which inevitably happens, um, I could have something to go back to and say, you know, I was having, for a while I was hitting my pick a club, a five iron really well. 
and now I'm not. So what what was working? And I'll go back to my notes, and, and I've often been able to find things that are like, oh God, I forgot about you know, because there's a lot that goes in. Just like you were mentioning before about the techniques of playing harmonica and all the all the things you, you eventually won't think about how to hold it, mm-hmm. how to make play notes. It's the same thing in golf, how to hold a club. I mean, sometimes you get you get worked up and you kind of twist your hands around and that makes the ball go funny, funny places. So, um, and also she, she mentioned something, um, I'm getting a little bit off, off the topic here, but she mentioned something in her podcast about, uh, uh, being at a, at a, I don't know, they were going to get on a boat or something. Her husband was reading some directions. So she started playing while mm-hmm. he was reading and somebody yelled out to her. I had a similar experience. Um, and maybe this should have been my, my one accomplishment. My wife had some surgery uh, on her foot back, you know, during the, during the severe lockdown. So she couldn't drive. Um, so I would drive her to the doctor and then I couldn't go in. So I would wait in the parking lot and I figured, well, I'll kill the time by playing harmonica out here. And somebody actually came by and recognized what I was playing. What a feeling that was. I mean, I was, I was tickled to death That's and, and kind of shocked. Um, <laughs> but, um, but it was really rewarding and it was, you know, I don't know, like, so, um, but anyway, that, that's a little bit off. I, I really appreciate what you were, what you were just saying there. Cause that, that is something I struggle with how to structure practice mm-hmm. and this kind of sort of, um, simple, you know, um, but defined process, I think will be very helpful to me. Um, and w- one of the things, uh, uh, that I forgot to mention earlier with bending, you know, what I really have a problem with is, is if there's a bent note in the middle of a riff and then it's followed by an unbent draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Golf three bent to a two clean. I sometimes I, that's where the relaxation comes in. I have a hard time remembering that I got to go back to just playing a clean note when I, mm-hmm. you know, so, so that's something that that is not quite um, burned into my into my mind yet. You know, I'm so focused on working at the bend that even when I nail a bend, I sometimes blow the next note because I'm still kind of in bent mode when I shouldn't be. Yeah. As absolutely everybody has that problem. It, it's it's totally normal. Um, the the thing that you'll need to do is you'll need to slow down impossibly slowly. So kind of go as slow as you can and then half it because you need as all the the brain power that you can to just switch those positions. And yeah. it'll it'll feel painfully slow. But but if you do that methodically. It's actually kind of amazing how quickly it becomes a habit. And, you know, I, I think about how many things, well, this is this is the absolute kiss of death. But sometimes when I'm playing, I think of how many things are going on. And then obviously everything falls apart. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, you're kind of jumping between hole to hole where you might be playing a draw bend on one hole and then switching directly to an overblow on the next hole and then switching to a clean note on another hole. And there are all these different mouth positions that are happening, different tongue and throat orientations. Um, Unfortunately, you don't have to think about them consciously because you've put the time in building up your technique. Uh, But there was a time when every single element had to be thought about really carefully and slowly. um, And you're trying to get that that shift from conscious mind to to unconscious mind because the processing power of your conscious mind is actually pretty crap. You know, it can only deal with so much stuff simultaneously um whereas your unconscious is is virtually limitless by comparison so the quicker you can get things from your conscious to your unconscious you know really bake it into your muscle memory the the easier all of this stuff becomes makes sense and Uh, and, and (laughs) just just to be clear i don't mean your conscious specifically all of our consciousness are terrible i get it i get it believe me and again as I mentioned to you, the parallels with golf are amazing because the same thing happens where your head, your mind starts going with, okay, I got to keep my head still. I got to keep my arms straight. I got to, you know, and, and you, you're thinking about so many things that you forget to just play, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, uh, and, and, uh, it's, it's really remarkable. The other thing you, when you were talking to V, you talked about the, the gear industry and how they try to suck you in and how you're going to turn it to, you know, uh, Sonny Boy Williamson, if you buy this harp, and golf is the same way, man. Mm-hmm. They, you know, I know people, they buy a new driver every year, and the ball goes in the woods in the same angle every year when they take a new driver out. You know, you, you got to learn how to play before what you're playing really matters. Yeah. So. And, and just just take take a look at the equipment that most professional 
whatever players, sportsmen, whatever. Like it, it's never the really, really fancy, shiny stuff. Yeah, uh, right. It's all pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Un- unless they have endorsements, that's the only time that you see people yeah, exactly. with really great gear. <laughs> you know, one thing um, I've, I've really been curious about um, for as long as I've been sort of watching your your videos and, and your emphasis on the blues. Um, you're a fairly young guy, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna guess you're thirty ish. I'm I'm 33. Thank you. <laughs> 33. Okay, 33 and living in Scotland. How in the world did you get so uh, uh, exposed to American blues music? I mean, this is like you're you know you're you're talking about stuff from the 40s and the 50s that you're that you're listening to. And- yeah, that, that's a good question. I think it comes it comes from a couple of places. So I I grew up in a very musical home from a point of view of of listening to music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but blues was never on the cards. That was never something that, that my family listened to. Um, but we did listen to a lot of classical music. And uh, I was actually obsessed with classical music. I, I get a new classical CD every Christmas and birthday, and I'd play them to death. And my absolute favorite was Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. And, you know, people who are hardcore blues heads will listen to that and think well it's not really blues but to me it's it's the same language it's that jazz blues thing um and i I absolutely loved that but i didn't think any more about it and then when i started learning guitar the 12 bar blues was just the easiest way to communicate with other musicians without needing to know much else so it, it just started from there it was it's the most democratic genre of music to to be able to communicate and quickly play with someone you've never played before um you know you you sit down in a room and you you pick a key and you say it's a 12 bar blues no one's then thinking uh so what are the chords in a 12 bar blues because everybody knows it and and that that's kind of great and so that's that's what started it and then i went deep into the the kind of the scholarship of it and and i got really excited about learning more about it that um, is fascinating i i was sure your answer was going to be oh well my parents you know played a bunch of old elvis presley records and i sort of started delving into where he was influenced and all that that's amazing no no there was there was very little of that i mean there was lots of good music uh and it wasn't just classical but there was very little of that kind of american r&b rootsy stuff uh huh. that, that was all me Wow, that, that's really, I, I, that is that is a very surprising answer. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> very cool. Um, so uh, one thing I, I, I've been asking uh, p- uh, people on the podcast uh, who've started out fairly recently is what tips they would give to someone who uh, is listening today and starting out for the first time. What are your, your top tips that you've discovered? Oh, boy. Um, you know, I would say... I, I think I mentioned to you at one point that like all beginners, I just went on YouTube and started hunting down instructional videos. Um, I would and and you know, I, I came upon another guy before I came upon you, but in either case, what I would say is find somebody who is you're comfortable listening to. And, and especially when it's a one-way conversation, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's a real art that, that guys like you, you uh, have, have, are practicing by being able to just teach without getting any feedback um, and just put a video out there, find somebody you're comfortable with and then find out what that guy or gal offers from the standpoint of a more structured um, uh, lesson plan, so to speak. Um, And then, and then dive into it Um, because, you know, again, I'll I'll go back and make an analogy with golf. One one of the problems that, that golf instruction has is often people just go to somebody once yeah. And, you know, it just doesn't work, especially if, if that person is going to try to teach you fundamental techniques that maybe are a little different than what you expected or, or what you're comfortable with. You really need to constantly be getting uh, the feedback from that person. So I so that that would be my my, um, you know, my my first tip. Find a teacher that you're comfortable with and really dive into that teacher because everybody's a little bit different in their method. So you don't want to be jumping back and forth between different mm-hmm. people. All the time. Um, maybe eventually I'm kind of thinking, um, you know, as you get sort of beyond that beginner to, to maybe where you think you're, you know, what do you guys call it? Advanced beginner, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you might be able to dabble in different guys because, you know, you've got that fundamental foundation 
and now you can learn some different sort of techniques at a, at a higher level that, that one person may teach differently than another. But uh, I think for the beginner, you've got to find somebody you're comfortable with and, and just, just stick with them. Yeah, I think that that's fantastic advice. And um, one thing that that's really important to remember is that all the teachers have a, a master plan in in the back of their heads when they're teaching something. So you know, we'll, we'll all say say things to a beginner student, knowing that that we're holding something back because they're not ready for it yet. And the issue ha- comes when if you you jump from my beginner lessons to Dave Barrett's beginner lessons to JP Allen to Adam to all these people who all have great programs that that there'll be a, maybe something that's slightly contradictory between us at that stage but we all know that if you followed through that pathway that it would all come together to it to probably quite a similar point at you know the intermediate and beyond level. Uh, so it is worthwhile committing to a certain chunk of time with a teacher. And and yeah, as you said, find the teacher that you resonate with. You know, I, I've I've <laughs> I've seen things about my uh, my teaching on on online where it's like, God, I hate that guy. He's he's like, he's just trying to make everyone like him. What an asshole. And which <laughs> which is true. You know, I, I, I do I you know, I'm kind of painfully British like that. That's that's what we do. <laughs> you're, you're very likable. But you know, another question I'd have for you again, this is more about you and and you know. But did you have to take any um, instruction in how to teach before you got into teaching an instrument? Because no. you do it very well. You're very natural at it. It feels natural anyway. Well, thank you. Um, the, the quick answer is no, I didn't. And the slightly longer answer is I feel very bad for my first couple of years of students. <laughs> Back when you had the ponytail and the... And the yeah, well, even 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 before that, well, I did have the ponytail, but uh, but yeah, right at the beginning, um, I knew that I loved teaching. It was a complete accident. I was actually teaching English um, as a foreign language because I I refused to let my art be corrupted by being an educator, and then I discovered that I actually really enjoyed it, so I started teaching music as well. Um, but yeah, I didn't have any instruction on how to do it, and. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes, but I, I put together a curriculum bit by bit from and, and kind of learned from mistakes and learned from, oh, I've managed to keep this student for three months longer than the last student. That's good. What 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 did I do differently? Yeah. <laughs> and they're getting better. And this is cool. So uh, I, I've watched a lot of great teachers. I think that that's a big thing. Um, and I, I, I like to read about education and about learning. I, I have a psychology degree, so I, I'm very interested in kind of how people learn things, how memory works. And I, I try to think about that when I'm teaching. Um, but yeah, th- there are so many great teachers of various disciplines on YouTube. Um, and, you know, the cream really does rise to the top. So you do get to see brilliant, brilliant examples, which you can learn from. Uh. Yeah, and I think it's important too that you know, especially when you're when you're with people like me, um, you're you you go slower than maybe you need to, but that's better than going faster than than would be appropriate. You know, I, I'm I'm more than happy to you know play that simple riff the, the fourth and the fifth time as you mm-hmm. sort of repeating it rather than doing it once and going, oh, God, you know, a minute later I've already forgotten it because you've moved on to something else. I think that sort of repetitiveness is very helpful to uh, to a beginner. Uh, I'm very glad to hear that. Uh, very cool. Well, I, I think that uh, that we, we've uh, covered a good chunk of stuff. This has been a, a really enjoyable uh, chat for me. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Oh, absolutely! It's fantastic. Um, be- before we uh, before we call it a day, um, I just want to ask you uh, what kind of great great players you've discovered that have really uh, inspired you. Well, you know, the, the one I, I wouldn't say discovered somebody, somebody I, I, uh, I loved for years and years. And, and one of your other beginners uh, mentioned uh, the Jay Giles band and, and Magic Dick. Hmm. Um, you know, they've been around for, well, the band isn't around anymore, but he's been around since the late 60s, early 70s. And, and I would highly recommend anybody who's looking to listen to a great uh, rock and roll harmonica player. You know, and it's really a blues based band, right? They were sort of love the Rolling Stones and doo-wop and things like that. But 
to get there, they have two great live albums, uh, Full House and Blow Your Face Out from the early 70s. And uh, he's got a couple of, there's a song called, you're probably familiar with it. Um, it's basically a harmonica song. It's, it's basically two and a half minute harmonica song. And it just kicks on holy ass. It is ripping Um And I, I would never even, you know, put that out there as a goal for myself. It's just, it seems so complicated. He's, he's up and down the whole, you know, from one to 10 on the, on the whole. And it's just, it's, it's a fantastic song, but you know, he's sort of was my favorite of established players. I mentioned to you, you know, my old friend, Danny Petratus, who's passed away, but um, who, who had such an influence on me. And, you know, so you've, you've introduced, I mean, I'd heard some of the old timers like Sonny Boy and, you know, James Cotton and things like that, but I never really listened to them much. Um, but but you've mentioned them so much that I have gone back and listened to some of some of their recordings. Um, and, and it's interesting, you know, and, and on YouTube, man, you just put in blues harp or harmonica and all these guys will come up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 very cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's never been a better time to to kind of enjoy and learn about any music ever like it's, it's all so easy to get hold of if you you imagine yeah. 30 years ago and having to hunt for old vinyl of these guys and, and and now it's it's all just easy and and having to find a teacher like you said you know to have, and go to a studio and go you know well how often are you going to go once a week mm-hmm. you know I mean, i'm not going to go every day um and in, as opposed to being able to pop on you know go on the internet i can i can watch your lessons 24 hours a day if i want to um, and it's, you know, it's so much better, I think, than and if I had, like I said, you know, if I had to go and, and sit with you for an hour, so I'm sure your lessons probably never lasted longer than that, and then try to work all that you taught me without getting into bad habits in the week in between before yeah. I go back to see you again. Um, you know, so yeah, it's, you're right. It's that combined with the lockdown. I mean, God, my God, what a time, what a time to learn. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you so much for, for spending some time with me today. It has been uh, an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, I will uh, see you very soon. Take it easy. Great. Happy harping. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of my harmonica podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast service of choice. And if you're ready to take your harmonica playing to the next level, then you should check out my online harmonica school over at tomlinharmonicaschool.com. Happy harping! <laughs>